This is Awareness Explorers. Welcome back, friends and our tribe to Awareness Explorers. Great to have you here again. I'm your co-host, Jonathan Robinson, and I'm with my trusty co-host. Brian Tom O'Connor. And we always enjoy these explorations. Today, we're going to be exploring something called the middle way and how to avoid the, the black and white of the extremes that we're currently given in everything from politics to spirituality. But when we thought of this idea of doing the middle way, Brian, what was the first thing that jumped into your head? Well, the first thing was that I thought that it was actually limited in definition to a much narrower, in a, in a much narrower way as the middle way between asceticism and indulgence. But uh, as I discovered more about it, I mean, this was originally a Buddhist term. And even in Buddhism, there are more expanded definitions, and we're hoping to expand them even more by, by really casting a wide net in terms of what is the middle way and what is the middle way between opposites. Yeah. You know, what interested me in this subject is that in society, whether it be politics, personal behavior, psychology, relationships, money, all these things, they kind of have a a black and white dichotomy to them of moving us towards the extremes. You see that in politics, of course, but even in money, you know, there's homelessness or there's billionaires. You see it in relationship to health, you know, people who are at X percent of body fat or people who never take care of themselves. You see it in, in people's reaction to drugs. Drugs are great. Drugs are terrible. You know, all these different ways of perceiving things that are extreme. And what I find is that most of the good things in life come from a balance of avoiding extremes. And that I call it the energized center, because it's almost like there's a magnet pulling us to one extreme or the other. And yet it's at the center where most peace, most wisdom, most clear seeing happens. And that center doesn't get much airplay, doesn't, doesn't have its own magnet pulling us towards the center. And we, I think that we can get some value from seeing that the center or the middle way is usually the best way to approach any subject, including spirituality. That's a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but very well, very, uh, a very good mouthful. Very well said. But uh, the middle way, uh, in addition to just being something in between opposites, I think it's important to notice that it's really the encompassing of opposites. In other words, mm. we think of things as either this or that, and we think of everything as separate. And it really is I mean, if all is one, which we, which is the theme of non-dual spirituality, then opposites exist simultaneously. Uh, Ajashanti said the middle way is actually not between the pairs of opposites. It's all embracing. But you also talked about, I think just now, I forget what you, you called it, the still point. Uh, or the, the energized center, maybe the, the energized center, the energized center. Yeah. And it reminded me of a quote from T.S. Eliot about the middle way. He called it the still point of the turning world. 
And mm -hmm. uh, I thought that was a beautiful way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, you know a little bit more than I do about how the Buddha was approaching the middle way. What did he have to say about this? Okay, but first a disclaimer, I'm not a Buddhist, and I am so far from being a Buddhist scholar that it's not funny. However, I do know a tiny bit about it. And the original, um, the original idea between the middle way was when the Buddha gave up his extreme asceticism. And uh, so the middle way was the middle path between extreme asceticism on the one hand and sensual indulgence on the other. Uh, but mm -hmm. some other Buddhist scholars, well, Nagarjuna, a famous one from the second and third centuries, um, he applied the middle path to existence and non-existence. Uh, in between any two opposites lies emptiness, which is not nothingness, but a vast creative potential. And also um, the perfect wisdom texts. This is a group of texts that includes the Heart Sutra, the Diamond Sutra, and others. The middle way is described as realization of suchness beyond attainment of good or bad, ever present with all things as both the path and the goal. So it really is um, it really can be interpreted wide, widely, not just are you giving up all worldly things or are you totally indulging in all worldly things, although that is an important element of it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's actually hard to do middle ways, you know, whether it be your feelings about politics or drugs or spirituality or indulgence or sex or whatever it is, that it almost seems like you have to be very deliberate to find the middle way because it it's not being shouted out as the thing to do in this society. You know, a lot of times you and I have used the, the metaphor of the two wings. You know, people have one wing of, of perhaps doing a certain type of practice, but they miss the other wing. And the middle way would be you know, doing a little bit of maybe heart practice, a little bit of awareness practice. And it's as if there's all these different camps promoting the black and white dichotomy. And we have to find that middle way in ourselves that works for us that is not falling off into either extreme. And as I said, it usually takes a fair amount of deliberateness to do that. Yeah, it really does. And it's very, very tricky because um, our minds are geared towards, uh, towards creating distinctions between things. As a matter of fact, that's what it's for. It's, it's for, you know, saying, you know, food, poison, you know, danger, safety. But because of that, it's never going to adequately describe true reality, the one single energy pulsating as temporary forms arising and falling. But we do have to make choices. We do have to look at how we are fixated on one extreme or the other and really ask ourselves, what is it in this extreme that I'm denying, that I'm saying is not mm. true, that I'm saying does not exist, that I am shying away from? And can I zoom out to a larger picture and include everything. Mm, I like the way you say that. 
you know, a personal example for me is um, around the issue of money. I was brought up in a somewhat wealthy family and everybody was miserable. So I started to think, well, money makes people unhappy. So in my 20s, I mostly lived in a van making like $200 a month, you know, just enough to support myself. And I was proud of my poverty and, you know, rejecting the world and money. That was not the middle way. I was doing the Buddha's uh, asceticism. And then I realized, no, you know, a lot of the things I want to do in life, whether it be travel or take spiritual workshops or whatever, involve money. So I decided I'm going to make a million dollars in five years. You know, I went to the other extreme and really got into the world of money, which uh, once again, you know, that's the other extreme. And I actually did well. I made a bunch of money and then realized from that, there's a lot of complications with that. You know, at one time I was a best-selling author and had a best-selling video, etc. So I started to feel the burden of all the responsibility of getting 50 phone calls a day and having, you know, a lot of people look at me as, as a well-known author and feeling the burden of that. So once again, I gave it all up and moved into a spiritual community and lived very, very simply. And finally, now that I'm 173 years old, I <laughs> am figuring out that there's a middle way about this. You know, you don't have to be famous. You don't have to be totally obscure. You don't have to be rich and you don't have to be poor, that there's a peace in the middle way. And I wish I'd heard this podcast and this review or this idea, you know, 40 years ago, because it might have saved me a lot of going to the extremes, not just on money, but also on on sex, on drugs, on relationships. You know, I, I need to have several relationships. I need to have no relationship. And I think not just me, but a lot of people go through these wild swings where it takes a while to get to the opposite swing. And then hopefully like a pendulum, it finally rests in the center, which is really where we wanted to be all along. Well, those are such beautiful and vivid examples. And I think the key word that you mentioned in that account is rejecting. You know, mm -hmm. when we rejecting anything is what leads us to extremes one way or the other. And um, another very good example of the principle of the extremes in the middle way is the phrase attachment and aversion. What mm -hmm. are we attached to? What are we? What are we uh, averse to? What do we? What do we? What must we have, and what must we never have? Uh, it can also be described as pushing and pulling, pushing something mm -hmm. away that you don't want, pulling something towards you that you don't have. And another way of putting it, I think that's very interesting. That was talked about in. Uh, the last episode by our guest, Angelo DeLulu, is that he focuses on what are we fixating on? So, for example, mm -hmm. if he's talking to somebody who's fixated on we, there's nobody here, there's nothing, that, nothing to do, but yet they're suffering, he's going to ask them to take a look at their suffering. And if a person is totally, completely goal-oriented, I'm going to do this and I'm going to figure it out with my mind, 
he he sees that as a fixation, which he might uh, point out to see if they can possibly move the needle back to the center. And you called the center a magnetic pole between the two opposites when we were planning this episode. Yeah, yeah. And so when you find that center, it can be hard to stay there. It's like a balance between these two opposites and you don't want to fall off to the left or, or the right. Uh, I remember a story Ramdas once shared with me about an experience with his guru. He was very much complaining about all the suffering in the world and saying, you know, well, his guru was saying, you know, Ramdas, don't you see that everything's perfect? And Ramdas was saying, what do you mean everything's perfect? You know, there's people starving, there's war, there's global warming. I don't know if he said that, but the guru would go, no, you're just not getting it. Everything's perfect. And Ramdas would complain a bit more about, you know, people who, you know, could have sight, but they don't have the right operation or whatever is your, your current woe of which there's thousands in the world and and Ramdas would complain and his guru would say you know you're just not seeing it well finally by spending time with his guru he tapped into seeing the level of reality which everything is perfect and Ramdas was like yeah yeah now I see it everything is perfect and once he had reached that realization his guru said now get up and feed people. There's people starving around here, you know? <laughs> and it's a paradox to be able to see both sides and find that center, you know, to be in the world fully, but not of the world. And we are challenged to, for example, there's people who you know, say everything's perfect, or they just give up on changing the world. And then there's people who are totally focused on changing the world, and, and they don't see that there's perfection, and they just burn out. But trying to find that place where you see there's perfection, and you see that there's suffering, and you act without being too attached, like it has in the Bhagavad Gita, acting without attachment to how things turn out. Yeah, that's such a beautiful example, plus a hilarious story to boot. Uh -huh. and, and, and it's true that, you know, anything, as soon as we start sort of solidifying things into concepts, we know we're, we, we're, we know we're going a little far to one extreme. We know we're, we're, we're sort of fooling ourselves into an idea that we really know with our mind the nature of reality which can't really be known by the thinking mind it can only be sensed from within from within that still point between mm -hmm. opposites that encompasses all opposites yeah well said you know another opposite is is seeing things as good or bad and of course there's a place for the discerning and even judgmental mind, but that mind keeps us from seeing the middle between those things, which is things just are. And that's really closer to reality and awakening than 
the mind that is always judging things as good or bad. So another aspect of the middle way is seeing things not as good or bad, but seeing things as isness, or instead of seeing things of I like and I don't like, seeing things as just allowing things to be without your preference. So these are all other aspects of how the middle way point of view can be a powerful portal to awakening. Yes, absolutely. And it helps to realize that the distinctions that you make between good and bad are all in the mind. They're not actually in reality. And sometimes, of course, the mind is useful. You know, and if, if we want to um, get to the airport in time, it might be bad to um, wait until the last minute or not to look at the um, train or bus schedule. But mm-hmm. in reality, there's no such thing. It, it, it really is simply in the mind. And just knowing that it's all in the mind can help point us back to that sensing of, of the one reality that is uh jeffrey martin calls it uh what does he call it it's not unfiltered it's it's a non-symbolic experience yeah. i think that's a great phrase because we filter our experience through the preferences in our mind instead of seeing it as seeing reality as it is yeah and the mind has this tendency of creating these dichotomies that interfere or make it harder for us to see the actual nature of reality. Absolutely. I call it sportsification. (laughs) The other team, bad. Our team, good. Whatever the other team does, it's automatically bad because they're the other team. So we're going to oppose it. And that's what's happening in political discourse today. And it's, mm-hmm. it's not real. Yeah, yeah. There, there's another uh, interesting middle way dichotomy uh, that I, I experienced uh, uh, the hard way by going to both extremes. It's, it's about emotions. And it really is the dichotomy between suppressing emotion and expressing emotion. And I started by suppressing emotion. I didn't want to feel all these horrible feelings. And so I would employ any strategy that I could to, uh, to not have the feelings. And then with my therapist, uh, I started having the feelings. And then I had the idea that what I should do is no matter what I'm feeling, I'm going to express it. So I told everybody in the world how angry I was at them. And that, that, that didn't help either. That didn't make me or them happy. Um, but yeah. the middle way was not denying, was neither expressing nor suppressing, but simply allowing. You allow whatever emotion is there to be there, and you release whatever strategies you have to prevent it, and you relax, and you, you feel it. You let yourself feel it. And what happens is it comes in, spins around for a little, and it goes out because you become more porous. And that's a good example of the middle way as well. Yeah, there's so many examples. I was thinking, um, I'm listening to a book called The Power of Fun. And this woman goes into a lot of detail about 
how smartphones are ruining our fun. And, um, you know, she suggests that you turn off your smartphone most a day unless you really need it and other suggestions. And I was thinking, well, you know, a lot of people are indulging in their smartphones. The average person now looks at their smartphone 143 times a day. So you're interrupting what you're doing to look at the smartphone 143 times a day. That's a lot. And then, of course, there's the people who say, oh, you know, they're destroying our attention and destroying our ability to have fun. And those people say, you know, you should turn them off or avoid them or don't do social media. And I was thinking that it's so hard to find the middle way there, you know, that where you're not indulging in your smartphone, you're not looking at 143 times a day, maybe you're looking at a dozen times a day, but you're not also avoiding smartphones. And how hard it is to find that place where you're making use of, say, a technology, but you're not becoming a victim of that technology. You're not indulging in what I call WMDs, which are uh, widgets of mass distraction. <laughs> widgets of mass distraction? Yeah. I love it. Which is what most of us are doing because we either can't find our way to the middle way, or we don't know the benefits of that, or we don't have the discipline to get to the middle between two extremes. Yes. And these things that are so seductive, like cell phones, like many, many other things that I could name, they draw us to them. They, 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 the siren song says, come to me, pay attention to me. But there's another magnetic pull, which you mentioned, and we both talked about earlier, that the middle way draws. Whenever we feel that sense that something is wrong, or that something is happening that we don't like, we can look at that as a reminder that the middle way, the still center, the ground of being is actually calling us to it. And we can pause mm. and we can stop and we can say, what is all of this experienced in? What is it appearing in? Or what am I? Or whatever questions turn your attention from the content of your experience to the context of your experience, to the background of awareness itself. Yeah, that's another way of looking at the middle way, the middle between endless activity and boredom. There's something, <laughs> there's, a, there's a stillness there somewhere. Yes, there's a stillness, Actually, a quietness, and it's not, and it's, a, it's an emptiness, yet paradoxically, it's full of potential. It's an empty fullness. Yeah. It reminds me of a lyric of a, a song called The Balance that my friend John Aston wrote, and we interviewed John earlier, I think it was like podcast number 23 or something, and it's called The Balance, and it has really beautiful lyrics, so I'm going to read it. Uh, it goes, between the feeling and the thinking, and the being and the doing, there's a balance you will find between the heart and the mind. There's a mountain made of will and a patience so still. There's a time to surrender and let go 
There's a time to hold fast to what you know, a time to accept what life brings, a time to change the course of things. In the giving, there's receiving. In the silence, hear the singing. In the balance, you will find paradise in mind. Like the death that brings new birth, tears of sorrow turn to mirth. Like waking from a shadow of a dream, life isn't always what it seems. We are both human and divine, balancing the heart and the mind. Wow, what a perfect lyric for this topic. Thanks so much for reading that. And thanks, John, for writing that. Gorgeous. Right. You know, and, and there's a dichotomy the, the between the heart and the mind. And you see people who tend to excel in one or the other. But like the two-wing analogy we often use, it's really nice when you get both those wings together in the same person. And so rare, too. That's right. And then, as we say, you don't fly around in circles. <laughs> exactly, exactly. On one wing. And, you know, uh, because my dad was really smart and I had the intellectual wing kind of handed to me, for better and worse, I realized at a young age that I better really focus on this heart wing. Otherwise, I'm going to become a lot like... Uh, these nerds who I don't really like. <laughs> and, uh, you know, 40 years of focusing more on the heart wing has hopefully paid off a little bit because, you know, you're not going to lose the, the one that you have an affinity for. Right. It's not like uh, as I focused on heart practices, I got stupider, you know. <laughs> uh, hopefully... Those, those two things can come together and through that find a middle way, which is you have access to both things, but you're not compelled one way or the other, where you always bring your intellect into a situation or you always bring your heart or emotions into a situation. Those two together really have the best discernment and the best ability to serve. Yes, I completely agree. And uh, just a personal observation, I think you succeeded in combining the two. I, you know, you're really smart, but I also sense your, your heart, which is deep. Hmm. A lot of help from a lot of teachers, but thank you. I'll take that in. And, you know, it really takes, it often takes outside help to bring us to balance. It's very hard to balance yourself when you have such strong tendencies in your mind. Yeah, that's another example of the middle way. On one extreme, I'm going to do it all myself and I'm going to go alone. On the other extreme, I'm going to give all power to a guru who's going to tell me everything in my life to do. There's right, a middle way right. between those two. And once again, ridiculously hard to find and very few people find it. Yep. You know, I, I see the people who are like, I'm not, no guru is going to tell me anything or no teacher is going to tell me anything. And then the people who are with teachers that, you know, our teacher is Jesus Christ on earth, more or less, and everything he says is, is golden, and they lose their own good judgment sometimes. That's right. They learn their, they, they, they don't practice their own sense of discernment and their own ability to look inside 
to try it for themselves and see what works. Mm-hmm. In, in my book, The Enlightenment Project, I actually talk about this, where it's important to find a teacher who can be helpful to you while at the same and be open to their teachings and do what they say, but you know, hopefully, but at the same time, not lose your own good sense of right and wrong and what works for you. And once again, you're putting together two wings that are opposite and trying to find that perfect balance, that perfect middle way where you get the benefit of both. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, you're right. The perfect balance is hard to achieve, but when you do, it's sublime. Mm-hmm. So let, let's talk about how do you overcome these tendencies? How do you find that middle way? And, you know, one way is asking your friends, you know, where do you see them off balance so that you can get that input? Because I think it's often very hard to see our extreme tendencies because to us, they don't look extreme. They look like that's the way everybody should be doing that. And if you have some well-balanced friends that you trust, you can hopefully get some input like, hey, you know, maybe you need to pay your bills uh, and, and make some money, or maybe you need to stop worrying about money so much, you're already making plenty. And, and feedback like that can help point us towards, towards uh, sanity. Yes, and I think the other way is, uh, is looking inside and seeing what you're clutching against, seeing where you're tight, seeing where you're fixated, and seeing how much you can simply relax, allow, and be porous. Mm-hmm. And what might that look like in a, in a specific area? Well, if uh, I was really attached to something that I couldn't let go of, like um, um, video games, for example, um, you could, you could, you could ask yourself, well, what would happen if, if I didn't have video games to play with? Or if you Well, that are- would be an extreme. It might be more like if you're playing 15 hours a week, what would it be like if I played five hours a week? You could ask that. That's right. But you ask yourself, what experience am I avoiding by focusing Mm -hmm. on this so much to the exclusion of everything else? What am I excluding in life? What am I Mm -hmm. clutching against? And you actually would you actually can sense, you can look inside and physically sense tension, physically sense clutching. I mean, it can be physical, but also mental clutching, mental like, no, where's your, where are your no's in life? Where are your where are your yeses? Where are your must haves? Where are your must not haves? And you have must have on one side, you have must not have on the other, and you take a deep breath and see if you can let go of attachment to either one, and and yeah. see, see if you can allow just whatever arises to arise. Yeah, anything that tight or extreme is probably going to cause you to pay a price at some point. Yeah. Well, I want to put a shout out to um, Patreon supporters for for 
helping us do these types of conversations. You guys have been really great. I want to put a shout out to both uh, Christy and Joan, two of our biggest supporters, and that your uh, donations, besides touching us personally and giving you access to a bunch of free stuff or extra stuff we send your way, uh, helps to support the podcast and shows that this stuff is really important to you. And we also appreciate the reviews and you sharing this stuff with your friends and family, because I do find that as you get people to your friends and family to know about these concepts and share them with them, that you also are opening to these explorations, that you need that kind of support nowadays in order to shield us from all the other stuff that is trying to get our attention and is sometimes uh, very distracting from what's really important. So uh, if you're our current supporter, thank you very much. If you'd like to support us on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com forward slash awareness explorers and learn about all the stuff we send to you as bonuses when you support us for as little as a dollar a month. Ah, got that out of the way because I want to hear you have a very interesting meditation to guide us on, but any last words about the middle way and how people might use this as a way to get back to their own center? Just look inside and see what you're avoiding and see what you're attached to and take a breath and relax and allow whatever arises to be as it is, and then ask, in what does all this appear? And that's awareness practice in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the middle way is between our focus on the past and the focus on the future. Uh, the middle way is focusing right here, right now, and relaxing into that without resistance. Yeah, well said. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned past and future. I think I have that in the meditation as well, but that's very important. Now is the middle way between the past, which isn't, doesn't exist, and the future, which doesn't exist either. Right. <laughs> the middle and only thing that actually exists. You said it. Anyways. Let's, uh, I'm eager to hear what you have for us as a meditation treat. All righty, let's go. This is a meditation about finding the middle way between pulling and pushing, between doing and avoiding, between past and future, between inside and outside. So first, close your eyes if it's safe to do so. Take a nice, easy, deep breath and relax. Scan your current awareness and see if there's any sense of some feeling that you'd rather not be feeling. Ask yourself, just for a few moments, just for now, can I let that feeling be here just as it is without any attempt to change it?
and scan your current awareness and see if there's any remembered or imagined state that you wish you were in or that you wish you could attain but don't have now. Ask yourself, just for a few moments, just for now, can I drop any attempt to change to a new state or to acquire any experience that I'm not currently experiencing? Now scan your current awareness and see if there's something you're attached to and would never want to lose at all costs. Ask yourself, just for a few moments, could I drop any attachment to that and let it go if it wants to go in the natural flow of things? And scan your current awareness and see if there's something you would like to avoid happening at all costs. Ask yourself, just for a few moments, could I drop any avoidance of that and allow it, even welcome it? Next, scan your current awareness and see if there's any memory of something in the past. Either something you regret happening or something you enjoyed. Ask yourself, can I withdraw my attention from the past and focus on what's happening right now? Focusing on your current body sensations or the current sounds you hear are easy ways to do this. And scan your current awareness and see if you're imagining some event in the future that hasn't happened yet. It could be something you hope will happen or something you hope won't happen or something you enjoy fantasizing about happening. Ask yourself, can I withdraw my attention from the imagined future and focus on what's happening right now? Again, focusing on your current body sensations or the current sounds you hear are easy ways to do this. Pick two opposites, any you like. Here are some possibilities, good and bad, masculine and feminine, inside and outside, awake and asleep, doing and not doing, form and emptiness. 
Take a moment and pick one pair. See if you can toggle in your mind back and forth between your two chosen opposites. Now see if you can step back like a camera zooming out until both opposites are included in your mind at the same time. See if you can hold these two opposites together simultaneously. Next, we'll experiment with the middle way between the inward-facing path and the outward-facing path. We start with separating the content of awareness from awareness itself, and then move to a perspective where awareness and its content are one, since all experience, indeed everything, is made of awareness. Take inventory of your current experience to see what's appearing in awareness right now. This can include sounds in the room, the sound of my voice, any body sensations you might be feeling, the rise and fall of your breathing, your thoughts, your emotions, or all of the above. Ask yourself, what is the clear field of awareness in which all of my experiences appear? See that anything you can name is something that appears in awareness, and so isn't the awareness in which it appears. Turn your attention around from the content of awareness and notice awareness itself. Feel into it. Notice it has no qualities since all qualities appear in it. Now, turn your attention around again and look out at the world from awareness. You are looking as awareness. That is, from awareness's point of view, as if you were awareness itself. It's the real you. So remember, you can't see it, you can only be it. Now, again, zoom out to the larger point of view a point of view that includes awareness and the content of awareness. Zoom out as wide as possible. 
see if you can get a sense from this expanded point of view that awareness and the content of awareness are not really two. All experience is made of awareness. It's all one substance. Pure awareness and its content. What's looked at and what's looking merge into one. This is one of the deeper meanings of the middle way. On one extreme, there's me and there's the world and we're different. On the other extreme, there's the world and there's witness consciousness, which is bigger than me. The odd thing is you have to swing back from the first extreme to the second before you can meet in the middle and see that the witness consciousness and the world are all one and the same. Now, take another easy deep breath and at your own pace, if your eyes were closed, allow them to open. Thank you. Very powerful and deep. You cannot see it, you can only be it. I like that phrase. <laughs> yeah, me too. That's really one of my favorites. It says it all. <laughs> because we think we, we, turn, we turn awareness into a thing, an object to get or to find. And it, it, it's not, doesn't work that way. It's, it's it's you. Yeah, yeah. If God wanted to hide, she'd place us uh, inside the last place we'd look. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Anyways, nice exploration, Brian. Hopefully our listeners will enjoy exploring what the middle way means and using that concept to avoid falling too far off into the right or too far off into the left of any dichotomy that the world sends your way. And hopefully you find the peace in the middle, in the middle of now. Oh, I love it. Okay. Until next time, keep exploring. Keep exploring. Thank you for listening to Awareness Explorers. To learn more, you can check out our website, at awarenessexplorers.com. Please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app. We'd love it if you would post a review. And please share our link on Facebook and with family and friends, because knowing yourself as awareness is the greatest gift you can give yourself or someone you love.